Hey there, just a warning. This episode contains some information that may not be suitable for all ears. Proceed with caution. The ox knows its owner and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. So today on episode 12, we have Dr. Kent Hovind of Creation Science Evangelism at Dinosaur Adventureland in Alabama. Kent is the author of What on Earth is About to Happen for Heaven's Sake. Dr. Hovind has been involved in many debates addressing the question of creationism and evolution and various other topics. Kent, welcome to Master's Crib. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah, really, really, really appreciate it. So if you just take a couple minutes, I just want to introduce people to you and your ministry. So what is going on out there in Alabama? What do you have going on? Well, short story, I've been a Baptist preacher 45 years. I taught high school science and math for 15 years. And someone gave us 140 acres of property up here in Lenox, Alabama, straight north of Pensacola, 70 miles, town of 35 people. And we're building a dinosaur adventure land. It's a combination museum, science center, theme park, campground, lots of fun. Come on up. Yeah, we've had 85 baptized here. We're, our science center is uh, themed around the seven days of creation and the flood and the coming judgment of God. The mm. three things the scoffers are ignorant of, according to Second Peter chapter 3. Mm. And so we have a room on day one, let there be light. So there's all kinds of cool science experiments on light, electricity, magnetism, gravity, a whole room full of stuff on day two, air pressure. We have a Bernoulli blower, we have a smoke ring, thing that shoots a smoke ring about 50 yards. Wow. Uh, it's really cool, a Taurus cannon. Uh, it, it'd be hard to describe. Just go on our webs- on our YouTube channel, Kent Hovind Official, mm. and you can watch some of the stuff about our science center and our theme park down here. People come from all over the world. We don't even advertise yet. We've had people from all 50 states and 57 countries come to see the place. Wow, that is awesome. That is awesome. So what's the cost to get in? Zero, nothing. Wow. Yeah, so worth, worth the trip just for that. That's awesome. So when did you get involved in ministry? Well, I, when I was 16 years old, I'm from East Peoria, Illinois. I got saved and started uh, going to a little independent, temperamental, fundamental, right-wing, radical, chicken-eating Baptist church <laughs> and really got fired up within the first few months and ended up learning how to win souls to Christ and got really fired up for winning souls and then went off to Bible College in Pontiac, Michigan graduated in 74 and <clears throat> uh, been involved ever since doing something for the Lord, trying to, uh, to trying to win people to him. And, and I do a lot of debates against atheists and evolutionists. I've had 200 and 217, I think I'm up to now. Wow. So what's, what's the goal with all this stuff going on with, with all that's happening down there at Dino land and with all these debates, what are you trying to do? Well, two things, win people to Christ and then teach them to grow so they can go do the same thing, just like Jesus said. Go preach the gospel to every creature and teach them to go do the same. So we're trying. 
Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, uh, tonight you and I are going to look in Genesis, and we're going to be talking about God's authority. And uh, that's what we've been talking about on this, uh, on this podcast for a long time now. Uh, but tonight we're going to take a different angle that I haven't taken with any other speaker, any other preacher, and that's God's authority to destroy. So I'd just like to read Genesis 6, 9 through 22. It says this, These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now, the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood, make rooms on the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its breadth, 50 cubits, its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which there is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on earth shall die, but I will establish my covenant with you and you shall come into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, of the birds according to their kinds, and the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing that is on the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come in to you to keep them alive. Also take with you Every sort of food that is eaten and stored up, it shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. So Kent, why does God have the ability, what gives him the right to destroy all creation? Well, that's, I think, kind of universal. Whatever you own, you can, if you make something, you can do with it as you please. Mm. <clears throat> if, you build, if you build a birdhouse, and it gets infected with, uh, you know, some kind of disease, you, you burn it. That's your birdhouse. You can burn it if you want, uh, destroy it. If you start a fire and the fire gets out of control and starts burning down your house, you have the right to put that fire out. Um, so it's kind of universal. If it's an ownership thing. If you build it and you own it, you can do with it as you please, even if that means destroy it. And so God looked at his own creation and said, well, they, they, they got out of control. They're not doing what I told them to do. So he has complete, absolute authority as the creator to do with it as he pleases. And he did. But even then, he was merciful. Uh, Noah was righteous, but I'm sure he was not flawless or perfect. Nobody is. So God, see, when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they made uh, aprons out of fig leaves. Hmm. God made them coats. Coats, very different than an apron, by the way. But he made them coats out of skins. He said, no, Adam, you don't understand. Your sin is serious. You don't just cover it up. You got to, something has to die. Mm. The death penalty for sin. There's only two religions in the whole world, and that's Cain and Abel. Cain brought his fruit and vegetables and said, hey, God, look what I did for you. And God would not accept it. Abel brought a lamb. And he, he said, okay, that you, you understand, son, it requires death. 
to cover your sin. So that, that was the beginning of really the only two religions in the whole world, Cain and Abel. Most churches today, most people today are trying to reach God with their works. The, the Catholics have a list of things you have to do to go to heaven. The Muslims have a list of things they have to do to go to heaven. The Mormons have a list. Now, what's on their list is different. But the fact that they have a list is the problem. That's not how you reach God. It's what Jesus did for you, not what you do for God. You have to accept his salvation. So there are many, many questions that people have, and this always comes up to say, why did God command the Canaanite children to be slaughtered? Why could a loving God destroy the earth? And like you said, it, it's his stuff to begin with. He can do with it what he wants. But what many people really see is a God that they want to create for themselves, a God that, that is so loving that he wouldn't destroy things. So why is it that a loving God would destroy things? Why is it that a loving God brought this upon the earth? Well, let's take the Canaanites as an example. The Bible clearly teaches they had descended into bestiality, having sex with animals. Mm. So there are a lot of diseases that animals have that don't really bother them, different types of venereal sexual uh, diseases that it's no big deal. It's like it might be just like a cold for a sheep, but if a human has sex with the sheep, now it becomes very serious in the, when it gets when that same disease gets into mankind as opposed to sheep. So the God knew that these people had been uh, completely infected with this incurable diseases from the animals, and so God told Moses, "When you go into the land, or told Joshua, kill them all, everybody, hmm. babies included. They're all infected." If you let one of them live, it's going to come in and infect you. Aren't we doing, taking super precautions now with this stupid COVID-19 thing, which oh, yeah. is probably all fake, but still, you have, you, just can't, you have to be careful with any disease. You leave, when you take an antibiotic, he'll say, take it for seven days. Now, on the first two days, it kills 95%, and you're going to feel better. Mm -hmm. But if you don't keep going, that little 1% is going to let, you know, the, the resistant ones are going to come back with a vengeance and, and do much more damage. So you have to kill every single bacteria, even the baby ones that haven't done anything wrong. Mm. <clears throat> That's for the good of society, uh, for, the, for the good of the people. So God in his wisdom said, I know what's going on. He did not explain about bacteria and viruses to Joshua. They would not have understood. They'd have a microscope. He just said, kill them all. This is my command. And if they obeyed, the disease was completely eradicated. Suppose when, let's just take an example. Suppose when AIDS was first discovered <clears throat> and there were five people that had it. Would it have been good for humanity to execute those five people and burn their bodies? Or was it merciful to let them live and try to treat them? And now we have how many millions have died from AIDS? Mm. We let it spread. We didn't nip it in the bud when we could have. Just an example. So... When you think for just a second about like this whole picture, like that seems to a lot of people like, wow, wow. But like you said, this is a, an actual a picture of God's mercy because um, God is, is purifying the earth through this act. So I have a question for you here, and, and it's right in this text. We're talking about God's authority. So it says that God is going to destroy the earth with the earth. He's going to destroy all flesh with the earth. 
So the first question is, um, what exactly did he mean by that? What did he mean by he's going to destroy all flesh with the earth? And the second question is, um, what exactly is going to be accomplished by this? You've already touched on that a little bit, but what does it mean that he's going to destroy everything with the earth? Well, he, he obviously with the flood, which is what this story is about in Genesis chapter 6, he destroyed the, the, the people, the animals, and the earth itself. It completely rearranged the surface of the earth. They, before the flood came, if you read Genesis 5, the chapter right before that, they were living to be 900 years old. Hmm. Well, suppose you get somebody like Adolf Hitler living to be 900. <laughs> that would be really bad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or Joseph Stalin. Hmm. Uh, so it, when people become wicked and evil, it, it's best for humanity that they be taken off the planet. Uh, some people, like when the boys broke into Columbine High School and started shooting everybody, the cops that took them out, shot them, did everybody a favor. <clears throat> it would not be merciful to say, oh, boys, please stop shooting, mm. you know. And how many people would have, I say, suppose all the teachers in, in high school were required to be armed. So when the kids break into the classroom and start shooting, the teacher, you know, shoots them and it's over with. Would that have been better? Wow. Uh, yeah. Is it merciful to say, oh, no, just be nice to the boys. They'll get it out of their system eventually. Mm. No. Oh, my goodness. So God in his mercy knew that certain crimes and certain mentalities just have to simply be executed. They can't be allowed to live. Certain diseases, you cannot be tolerant of one virus, mm. let alone one billion viruses. Just one can, can spread and do great damage. So that's, I think we just have to trust God and his wisdom and mercy when he said, look, I love y'all, but you're full of diseases. I'm going to wipe out the planet and rearrange the surface of the planet. It might have been that, the, that what mankind was doing, it says they were all wicked. They might have been infecting all the animals too. So I, I, that would be a guess on my part. The Bible doesn't say that. Well, so you see a picture here, a very clear picture of, of God judging Obviously, um, God separates out humanity and says, you know, here it is, they're, they're wicked, they're, they're full of violence. So we know that he's, he's made that evaluation, and he's also told us why he made that evaluation. So we also see another evaluation that's made, and that's with Noah. It says Noah was a righteous man. So what exactly brings God uh, to the point where he can deem Noah as being a righteous man? Well... If, if, if a person has accepted God's sacrifice, he's righteous. Suppose you burn the neighbor's house down and they get upset about it and say, look, you owe us $200,000 mm -hmm. or you're going to jail. So the police show up and they're standing there saying, look, give this guy $200,000 so he's happy or else we're taking you off to jail. And you say, I don't have $200,000. And a rich neighbor walks up and says, uh, look, I don't want you to have to go to jail. Here, here's $200,000. He writes out a check and he's standing there holding the check. You got a choice to take it and pay the debt or ignore him. Now, the guy who's lost his house, he, he don't care where the money comes from. It can come from Hong Kong or China or the moon. He just wants his $200,000 and he'll be happy. So you'd be a fool to not accept that rich guy's offer to pay for your damages for you. So if we have accepted God's payment for our sin, we can be considered righteous. It's paid for. God's, God has several personality traits. He is righteous. He is holy. He is merciful. 
And there's a little bit of a conflict here because in order for him to be holy and righteous, he cannot tolerate one sin. It is not righteous for a judge on earth to just simply let a murderer go. Just say, well, yeah, do better next time. No, he murdered somebody. He needs to pay for this. And so a righteous judge has to judge according to the law. And the law says clearly in God's law, if you've committed one sin of any kind, you go to hell. You de- it's a death penalty. But God in his mercy said, okay, I've passed judgment. This is the way it's going to be now. Be out of my love and mercy. I will come down, become a man, and I will take your penalty for you. So both are true, his justice and his mercy. He's just, but only if you accept that payment that he made for you. If your neighbor's offering you a check for 200000 and you don't take it, okay, well, then you're going to pay for it yourself. <laughs> You'd be a fool. So if you don't pay, take Jesus' payment that is available to keep you out of hell, all right, go to hell then. That's what's going to happen. <clears throat> wow. So looking at the contemporary implications, I mean, obviously there are a lot, but I just want to put it to you this way. In what ways do you see culture today as either accepting or rejecting the authority of God? Well, it's pretty sad. It's becoming like it was in the days of Noah, where people simply don't want God telling them what to do. Uh, God gave some pretty clear commandments, like the Ten Commandments, don't lie, don't cheat, don't steal, and people just they don't seem to care. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's as, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man shall come. I think we're getting to that point where it's it's about the same. <clears throat> I deal with people all the time. that You show them clearly what God wants, and they say, oh, too bad, you ain't going to get it out of me. I'm not going to do that. Mm. So I think that's uh, I think it's unwise and is very clear in the Scripture what, what's going to happen to those people. You, you have to either pay for your own sin or find somebody else to do it for you. Mm. I can't pay for your sin. I got plenty of my own. But I accepted his payment for my sin, so I am forgiven. I'm going to heaven. It's not at all because I'm good. It's because of his goodness that I'm going to heaven. Amen. And I am going. I'm positive of that because I'm forgiven. People say, you Christians think you're so good. No, we think we're forgiven. It's wonderful. <laughs> wow, it's awesome. Anybody so, can have that. Do you see um, our culture in general as being friendly toward the idea of authority? Uh, less and less. Um, the, le- the less uh, self-control people have, the more outside control they need. Mm. You know, a baby doesn't have any internal control, so you have to put a diaper on them until they learn internal control. It's that way with society. A, a, pe- a people that don't have internal control to pr- you know, stop themselves from doing bad things, they have to have external control, like handcuffs and jails and prisons and billy clubs, you know. Mm because they don't have the internal control. So the more we descend into chaos, the more external control is going to be required. Uh, a, a, God, a, a God-fearing people don't need giant government. The founders of this country, well, Ben Franklin, the story is told, when he's walking out of the Constitutional Hall after they've been hammering this out for months, so somebody said, Mr. Franklin, what kind of government did you give us? And his answer was, a republic if you can keep it. Uh, a republic is, I think, the best form of government, but it's also the hardest to maintain because if the people get wicked, it won't work. 
it only works for a people who fear God. And most of the founders of this country, they were not all Christian, but a, a pretty high percentage were, but they were certainly strongly influenced by Christian thinking back then. They thought they had liberties and freedoms that came from God. They said so. We hold these truths to be self-evident. All men are created equal. They're endowed by their creator with certain rights. And if you get a bunch of people together who believe they have rights that come from the creator, they don't make good slaves. They'll throw the tea in the harbor and start a big war. That is really, really amazing. So then where we're living today, uh, do you see uh, there kind of like is, is a new idea where people are thinking that these rights come from somewhere other than God? Well, I've asked atheists all over the world. I've done 200 and I think 217 debates now with uh, evolutionists and atheists. I say, if evolution is true, how do you tell right from wrong? Hmm. On any topic, is abortion right or wrong? Is, is murder right or wrong? Is euthanasia right or wrong? Is sex with your dog right or wrong? Before you tell me how, what you think is right or wrong, I'd like to know how you measure these things. Where's your tape measure, yardstick, or ruler? How do you tell right from wrong if evolution is true? There is no standard to go by. Is it wrong for the lion to kill the baby zebra? Well, the mama zebra thinks it's wrong, and I'm sure the baby zebra thinks it's wrong, but the lion does not think it's wrong. So where, where's, who's the judge in these things? Where's the standard? That's what the atheists do not have. They don't have any standard for right or wrong. And it's, it's tragic when people like that also have some kind of control over decision-making. They don't have any standard to go by. They shouldn't be making any decisions, maybe what to buy for lunch. And even then, I'd be questioning their, their wisdom. <laughs> so on that same idea, in what ways do you see that rejection of God's authority affecting the family? Now, you were just talking about um, atheism not having a, a tape measure to measure life by or, or a rule. So in what ways is that currently affecting the institution of the family in the States here? Well, how does an evolutionist or an atheist decide about rules for their children or rules for how they treat their spouse? If Suppose a person is an evolutionist and, or an atheist, the next step, is it okay to cheat on your wife? Uh, and if it's not, why not? <laughs> they can't tell you why not. They have to borrow Christian values. Uh, it's just, it's an insane. Evolution is nothing but a religion people believe in. Nobody's ever seen any animal produce a different kind of animal. Ever. Cows produce cows without exception. And if you wish to believe that cows and bananas have a common, I'm an ancestor. That's fine. I don't care what you believe, but that's not science. And that's what they just don't get. <laughs> they have a religion and they will never admit it. But that's all they have is a religious belief. And they certainly have no basis for making any standards of just judgments for right and wrong on any topic. Mm. But they want to, they want to seem like, like they're very ecumenical or like they, they really want to give a, a fair voice to, to each side. I have a quote here from Ron Reagan Jr. from 2009. He said, religionists are very sensitive about the idea that people must respect their beliefs, of course. Well, I certainly respect their right to hold whatever beliefs they choose. Absolutely. Fight to the death for the right to believe whatever you choose. But I have to say, I do take issue with the notion that the belief itself is something that I am obliged to credit. If you want to believe the earth is flat, be my 
guest. You have every right to do that. Just don't expect me to play along. It really makes it sound as though he's very reasonable and rational. And you can believe what you believe, and I can believe what I believe. But is that really the way life works? Well, at some point, you have to have somebody make a decision. I mean, you got your town hall. The, pe- the people get together and say, look, our, our main street downtown, we don't want people going 200 miles an hour. Hmm. We don't want them going more than 40 miles an hour. Let's pass a law. The speed limit is 40. If you go more than 40, we're going to come after you and give you a ticket. If you keep doing it, we're going to take away your license if, or throw you in jail. There's a punishment because we decided 40 is a reasonable speed down Main Street. Now, they might find somebody who says, I think I should be able to go 100. Okay, well, you're endangering other people by your, by your, your decision. Uh, you certainly have a right to feel that way, that you can go 100 miles an hour. But they also have a right to say, no, you can't. And that's where you're going to get into a conflict. Well, who gets to decide? And that's where most societies, uh, most uh, free societies, the majority get together and hopefully rationally make a decision. Hmm. Uh, sometimes not too rational. Under communism, it's all top down. You know, the dictator decides this is the way it is and like it or go to prison or get killed. Hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, if, if the majority have gotten together and decided this is what we think should be fair, 40 mile an hour, then you have to simply punish those who don't get the message or don't wish to obey the message with some kind of punishment until they do mm. or keep them out of your town. Mm. Well, wow, that's, that's really tough. A lot, of, a lot of big thoughts there. So with this whole idea of, of authority, I mean, we know that, uh, like you said, less and less acceptance of God's authority. And we see that atheism is, is really starting to take root in a lot of places. We know that millennials are just falling away from the church. And um, I, there's one particular institution that they all seem to go to, and they all come back unbelievers. So where exactly are all these seeds being planted that are drawing these these kids that uh, grew up in Sunday school and, th- and then went away? Where exactly are these seeds being planted that are taking them away from the faith? Well, it, it comes right, I think it goes right back to the evolution theory. Uh, they, that's what's being taught in our schools. And, and it's all being taught using lies. I've got a whole series on my YouTube channel, Kent Hovind Official, 75 lies in the textbooks that they use to try to convince the kids to believe this dumb idea. Mm. Like they say, they look at the babies of each of different animals as they're growing inside the mother, the embryo. And they'll say, look at these embryos, boys and girls. They all have gill slits because they're going through the fish stage. Mm. Well, that was, that was made up in 1869, that idea of the gill slits. It was proven wrong a couple of years later in 1874, but they're still teaching it in textbooks today in your town. Mm. They're telling the kids that embryos have gill slits as evidence for evolution, and it was proven wrong 150 years ago. Mm. Stop teaching it. It's not true. But that, that's all they've got. So I cover 75 lies. I've got one video, uh, that we, a DVD that we have here, just called Lies in the Textbooks. It's part four of my series. My seminar series is 18 hours long, and part four is two hours long about just nothing but lies in the textbooks. And then get the whole series for 50 bucks if they call 855-BIG-DINO, like a big dinosaur, 855-BIG-DINO, extension two, uh, extension one, Hmm. if they want to order. Or just go on my website, Dr. Dino, and order it. But, yeah, it'll really help them realize the kids are being taught, uh, they're being brainwashed. 
using lies. It's sad. And so if, if, if they see those videos and they learn to spot those lies, it'll really help them not be um, tra- or tricked or into believing such a dumb thing like they came from a rock. Hmm. So that's kind of where I was going to ask you next. So where does real change begin? Like where can we as the church of 2020, where we are, where can we begin to turn the tide on the idea of, of God's authority and, and restore this teaching in the church? Where, where can we begin? Well, I think it, it, Jesus did not make any attempt to change the Roman Empire. He went after one person at a time, just reach people. Mm. And they, that, that can't be stopped. So reaching individuals, that's what I do. We go after reaching people, teach them the truth one at a time, ten at a time. Groups come out here to Dinosaur Adventure Land. We take the tour, and we show them all kinds of cool stuff about science. And, and they leave thinking, wow, God made the world, didn't he? Mm. Yeah, he sure did. And did a great job. So, we, if, you know, once you believe there's a creator, then the next obvious question is, okay, we, there has to be a creator, obviously. Now, why? Why did he create this? If you're walking through the woods in a pile, in a pile of gravel and you see an arrowhead, you immediately conclude somebody made this, probably for a reason. Mm. Even though it's a rock just like the rest of the rocks around it, it's been shaped and fashioned for a purpose. It's, it's an arrowhead. And so if you're walking through the woods and you find a painting hanging on a tree, you immediately conclude somebody painted this for a reason, probably. So I think it's obvious that if you look at the whole, all of the world and nature from that perspective, like, wow, somebody created this. Mm. Now we better try to find out who he was and what does he want? Mm. Because he owns it. Like the guy who made the arrowhead probably had a reason for making it like that. You know, to tie on the end of an arrow and shoot something with it. Wow, that's anyway, awesome. yeah, that's awesome. creation means there's a creator, which means there's a purpose to life. If evolution is true, there's no purpose to life. Hmm. Well, that is wonderful. Well, Dr. Hovind, I greatly appreciate your time. I really, really appreciate this conversation. I'm going to continue to pray for you and for your ministry. And uh, I'd love to get out there to Alabama someday and, and go through your park. And um, I just wanted to give you an opportunity just to let everyone know just one more time how they can find out more about you or, or more about uh, Dino Land out there. Okay, uh, drdino.com, D-R-D-I-N-O, is our uh, uh, website. Our YouTube channel, Kent Hovind, that's my name, K-E-N-T, and then H-O-V-I-N-D, Kent Hovind Official. Uh, they can call 855-BIG-DINO. Uh, they can Google Dinosaur Adventureland. We're on the internet and Come down and see our place. It's good luck finding Lennox. First you get a map, and then you get a magnifying glass <laughs> to find Lennox. But we're one mile north in the old gravel pit, 140 acres of lots of fun stuff to do, all kinds of activities on science and the Bible. And they can call 855-BIG-DINO, like a big dinosaur, if they want to get a hold of us. I'm Extension 3 if they want to talk to me. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you again for your time. I greatly appreciate it. All right. Thank you so much. All right, bye-bye.